Do you think of yourself as an emotional eater? And if you're nodding your head, <laughs> first thing I want to do is tell you to stop. Stop thinking of yourself as an emotional eater and understand that emotional eating is merely a habit and behaviors can be changed. Second thing, emotional eating isn't inherently bad for you. And third, emotional eating isn't the problem. It's merely a sign. And in this episode, I'm going to unpack these three takeaways from my masterclass, Stop Emotional Eating. So if the holidays are stressing you out and you've been turning to food, this is an episode that you're going to want to listen to from beginning to end. So let's get started. Welcome to the Happy and Healthy Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Lang. And this podcast is dedicated to my fellow women in STEM. After working in high tech for 10 years, in 2004, I became the proud owner of Pacific Heights Health Club in San Francisco, where I worked with thousands of clients over the span of 15 years to help them reach their health and fitness goals. Now I'm sharing what I've learned about what works as well as what doesn't work when it comes to making healthy habits stick. So if you want to find out what it takes to achieve lasting weight loss, to create deep health, and feel empowered to live the life you want, you're in the right place. Episode number 150. Well, hi there, Amy here. Thank you so much for joining me today. So we are now in December, and if you're anything like me, you are, well, your schedule includes shopping and dinners and travel and writing Christmas cards. I'm trying to think what else, decorating, right? There's a whole bunch of activity that's specific to the holidays that we don't have to deal with during other times of the year. Oh, and then, then of course, later this month, there's going to be travel and probably seeing people that I haven't seen for a while. So if that sounds like you, and if any of that is a trigger for you and you find yourself turning well, if you find yourself doing a lot more emotional eating during this time of year because of the stress, well, I want to share with you three key takeaways from my masterclass last week. So if this is your first time listening to this podcast, or maybe because of the holidays, you got a little behind and you didn't know that I offered a masterclass. It was a live masterclass on how to stop emotional eating. I'm going to share with you three takeaways. But before I do that, if you missed it, there's a couple things I want you to know. First, I'm going to be offering it again after the new year. I haven't actually picked out the date for it yet. So the best way for you to make sure you know about it is to subscribe 
to my email list. That's the first thing you could do. And you can go to my website, sign up for the newsletter there. The second thing you can try doing, if you don't want to get on my email list, because maybe you get too many emails, is you can follow me on Instagram at Habit Whisper, or you can follow me on Facebook at Moxie. It's Club, or I'm actually going to be starting a YouTube channel, and my handle there is also going to be at Habit Whisper. Okay, so let me share with you the three takeaways, and hopefully just these three can help you get through the holidays a little better. And then when I offer that masterclass again, I would definitely encourage you to register for it sooner rather than later because there will be a limited number of slots. I've definitely learned with the coaching that I do in the live masterclasses, I actually, it works a little better when the group's a little smaller, okay? So the three takeaways. Number one, emotional eating is a habit. Number two, emotional eating isn't inherently bad for you. And number three, emotional eating is actually not the problem. So let me go back now and unpack each one of these for you. Okay. When I say emotional eating is a habit, does is that something new to you? Have you ever thought that emotional eating is literally just a habit. Now, the reason I bring this up is because so many people that attended the masterclass, when I asked them to tell me about themselves, they described themselves as an emotional eater. They made it part of their identity. Just like if you were to describe yourself as an introvert or an extrovert, okay? And, well, when you think of it as your identity or how many times maybe have you heard someone say, I was just born this way. It's it's like a, a genetics thing, like how tall I am. If you think of it as part of your identity, then it tends to be more fixed as opposed to something that's temporary. Right? The other thing is in terms of the locus of control, is it something that you have control over or is it something that you don't? So if it's your genetics, you don't really have control over it. If it's something else where it's happening to you, right? again, you don't have control over it. Whereas when you see emotional eating as a habit, What does that mean? Guess what? You weren't born with it. It was a learned behavior and it was something that was formed. And we can change our behavior. So the reason I say emotional eating is a habit is because when you look at a habit, it consists of three or four parts, depending on whether you're following Charles Duhigg or James Clear. Okay, so Charles Duhigg defined a habit or the anatomy of a habit as consisting of a trigger. So something that 
or a cue, something that gets the ball rolling. There's a routine, so the behavior, and then there's a reward. So when it comes to emotional eating, what's the trigger? So for you, what's the trigger? And there are usually five categories, okay? There's a time for any habit. There's time, location, a preceding event, an emotional state, or other people. So by other people, it could be, you know, when you're at a bar, well, that's a location, and you're at the bar with a specific person and you have this routine, okay? Time could be it's lunchtime. Preceding event could be you walk into the mall (laughs) and you smell the Cinnabons, the smell of cinnamon buns from Cinnabon, right? Okay, emotional eating, though, we tend to associate with emotional states. So it could be another person that triggers an emotional state for you. And oftentimes, those are negative emotions, right? Frustration, hurt, or stress. So when I talk about a habit, if we were to go the James Clear route, then we're talking about a trigger. So same five categories, right? Time, location, other people, etc. We talk about a craving, So a craving would be because you've performed this routine and you know what the reward is, you are anticipating the reward before you actually perform the routine. Okay, So when you've probably heard of Pavlov's dogs, right? B.F. Skinner had the experiment where the dogs heard a bell and immediately started salivating because they knew that the bell meant that they were going to be eating. And they were going to be eating something that tasted good. And so the dogs were already craving that reward. So emotional eating, we know from past experience, when we eat, we'll end up feeling a little better. There will be a, a dopamine hit from that eating. Okay, And so... Oftentimes we crave that feeling because we know that it will, well, it's a form of mood altering. So we will feel a little better. Okay. So that's why emotional eating is a habit. And because it's a behavior, we can change it. Okay. Second thing is emotional eating isn't inherently bad for you. So, I think over time, because of all the dieting that we've done and all the deprivation and things like portion control, all the stuff that comes with dieting, we have created a really fraught relationship with food, right? I still remember years ago, I had a friend of mine who was a trainer, who was like, calories are your friend. They're not the enemy. (laughs) And I agree with that. So I want to take us from a relationship that's been harmed to one that's not just healed, but in fact is healthy. And so what I want to do is recognize that 
when we look at our culture, the role of food is not just a biological one. So food is clearly not just fuel for our bodies, and it's not just nutrients that our body needs in order to function at an optimal level. We use food to celebrate. We use food to connect with people. We have expressions like breaking bread. We get together for Thanksgiving and for holidays like Christmas over food. We celebrate birthdays with cake. So there is emotional eating all over the place. We associate both positive as well as negative emotions with food. So emotional eating is not inherently bad for you. It only becomes a concern when there's some form of overconsumption, where we are using food as a way to cope. So that's different from like celebrating where maybe it, enha- it enhances the experience. When you're using food to cope, I mean that you are literally using it as a way to mood alter, to stop feeling or distract yourself. That's where, especially if you experience these negative emotions often, like stress or sadness or loneliness or frustration, if you're experiencing a lot of that and you're turning to food to solve the problem that's not actually a hunger-related problem, that's where it can lead to overconsumption. And we do know from a biology standpoint that our bodies are really good at storing those excess calories as fat. Because up until maybe the last 100 years, we dealt with feast and famine a lot. And the ancestors that could that were really good at storing fat were the ones that survived. The ancestors that weren't good at storing fat, excess calories as fat, they died. So our bodies are designed to be very efficient at taking excess calories and storing them as fat. It's not a bad thing, (laughs) okay? But it is our biology. And so if you have a history of dieting and you see food as somehow off limits, then if you're under stress, it's very easy to see how turning to something that you've been told is off limits is actually like a rebellion of sorts. Like, don't tell me I can't do this. I'm going to do it. And what I want to do is actually help you figure out how to get to the underlying issue. So the third key takeaway was that emotional eating is not the problem. It's merely a symptom. So just like if you had a headache, right? A headache is actually a symptom. We are, we've been trained to treat symptoms rather than look at the underlying cause. So When you have a headache and you take Advil or Tylenol or aspirin, 
I want you to recognize you are treating the symptom. What if the reason you have a headache is because you're dehydrated? Would it be better for your brain and body if you drank more water instead of taking pain meds? So what I want to do is make sure that we are dealing with the dehydration, if you will. And when we deal with the dehydration, then what's triggering that headache goes away. Okay. So when it comes to emotional eating, I want to, I want you to look at that as literally the symptom. Okay. There is an underlying issue that needs some attention. And I want you to think about it this way. I talked about how Emotional eating is a habit. It was probably a habit that was formed a long time ago. And a long time ago, you may have been much less emotionally mature. You had different abilities, different cognitive skills. In other words, chances are you have the ability now to deal with them very differently from when you were younger. You maybe have far more, how do I put this? You've developed the skills of cognitive and emotional empathy in a way where you can look at a situation and understand what steps you can take to make it better. And if you're just bypassing that with a habit, well, all we want to do is get you off of autopilot so you can actually take a look at that situation and deal with it as an adult now. And if you struggle with that, this is actually where talking to a friend or hiring a coach or maybe even finding a therapist can help you work through those. And the reason why, again, I want you to be able to do that is because then we're actually solving the problem. It's a non-hunger problem that maybe you've been using food to try to solve where it really requires a different set of tools. Okay? So... I want you to know that our emotions do drive us to take action. So those emotions that are driving you to eat are literally to you nowadays. I want you to see it as a signal that, oh, there's something going on and I want to take all my cognitive skills to actually figure out how to address this problem. And... Well, maybe it will help to if you if you think about it this way. Hurt, fear, and frustration are primary emotions. So, during the holidays, if there are let's say relatives that you're interacting with that cause that hurt or fear or frustration, those are the primary emotions. Secondary to that, could be anger. 
So you see, some people cope with situations by using anger, and what anger does is it's a form of protecting ourselves. It says, "I'm going to make sure that through anger and aggression that you can't hurt me." Right? That is a coping mechanism. That is a go-to for some people. Drinking, shopping, and food are some. Other coping mechanisms, some other go-tos, and so what we want to do is take a look at what's causing that fear, hurt, and frustration. And when we see that as the problem, instead of emotional eating, then we're actually now using our brains to solve the real problem. Okay, so. Those are the three takeaways. If you have any questions from that, feel free to contact me. You can send me an email at amy at moxie-club.com. I'd be happy to answer questions for you. All right. So again, if you missed last week's masterclass, I encourage you to get on my email list or follow me on Instagram at Habit Whisper. Or uh, follow me on Facebook at Amy Moxie Club, or find me on YouTube again at Habit Whisper. So that's it for today. I'm going to wrap things up with a quote by Anthony J. D'Angelo. When solving problems, dig at the roots instead of just hacking at the leaves. You've been listening to the Happy and Healthy podcast with Amy Lang. If you enjoyed today's episode, by all means, hit the subscribe button now. If you're ready to get started, visit my website moxieclub.com. That's m-o-x-i-e-hyphen-c-l-u-b.com, and sign up for my free mini course, How to Lose Weight for the Last Time. And remember. Making your choices when you're in a state of abundance is where the magic happens.